Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started rob is the ceo at the dpo center limited in the interview he reflects on his entrepreneurial journey tracing back to starting a company at 18 he unveils his unique philosophy that drives their success putting the team first even ahead of clients he candidly discusses the challenges of maintaining this approach especially in a post covid world where individualism prevails beyond business rob shares a surprising passion for extreme sports revealing a side of him that believes anything is possible hi rob welcome to the choosing leadership podcast thank you very much very nice to meet you yeah it's a pleasure to have you here as well Why don't you start by sharing a little bit about who you are and what is it that keeps you occupied? So yeah, I'm Rob Masson. I'm the uh, chief executive of uh, the DPO Centre. We're a, a privacy consultancy company. We're based in the UK, Ireland, the Netherlands, and Canada. So we have a reasonably international team. And our, our core business is essentially providing outsourced data protection offices in order to comply with the various data protection laws globally. Yeah. So before we jump into that can you share a bit more of your back story like how did you come to entrepreneurship or how has the journey been to where you are today So a fairly varied one so I started my professional career or, or entrepreneurial career in a way uh, I started a company when I was 18 I was uh, at the time taking computer studies as a educationally fell upon a project involved a couple of friends from my class and off we went really and and started putting together a particular piece of software for the advertising industry way back in 89 and then ran that for a, a number of years uh, we engaged with a number of uh, large research companies around the world and then slight change of direction then started an e-commerce agency in 1997 98 something like that that led on to a, a software company an e-commerce software company that we created in the early 2000s and then I started exiting from various from these various organizations along the way The main one was probably in 2017 when the e-commerce agency was acquired and that enabled me to 
I had a one-year earnout, which I had to do, but that enabled me to then found the DPO Center back in mid middle part of 2017. Yeah, thank you for for sharing that journey. Right on on your LinkedIn, you write that the DPO Center exists not to win by being the best or the biggest or the most successful, but instead, right, your purpose is to inspire and develop one team, one remarkable team that delivers the extraordinary. So can you yep. share, is this an ideology that got built sometime in that journey? And how has this been the core? Because I think that's quite unique for a business to start with that. First and foremost, we are a people business. So we're a consultancy company. Yeah. You know, our product is hours of people's time. Team is uh, incredibly important to us. And so from a very early stage of the DPO Center's development, we decided upon our philosophy, our core values, our mission and our vision. And we've as much as possible stayed true to that and developed that within the organization relentlessly from the beginning. And so it, it's all founded around our one team philosophy. So it starts with our philosophy. So everything we do is about the team. It's about developing the, the skills of the team, the camaraderie between the team. What we want is to make sure that we are building a coherent, uh, a focused, a motivated team of people that work together and support each other to achieve our goals. It's going to sound a bit odd, but we actually put the client second. I know everybody says the client comes first, but we don't. We say team first, client second. And the reason we do that, there is a logic behind it. The reason we do that is because if you have a happy team, you're probably going to have happy clients, but you can quite easily have a situation where you try to please the client the entire time, but then you have an unhappy team as a result. And therefore, ultimately you will have unhappy clients, period. And if you start with the team and you focus entirely at developing them and, and everything that they need, that will translate into happy clients. And, and that is absolutely proved uh, within uh, our, we have a client base, just over 800 clients globally, that we prove that every single day that we get the team right, we get the service offer right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Like a, a natural question to that would be right, because you are running a business and especially when you are very young and you said you started with uh, these values or this philosophy. How do you balance this with, let's say, sales? Let's say bringing in new customers, let's say delivering on a tight uh, schedule when somebody might have a yeah. personal thing to deal with. How do you uh, keep that balance? Can you share maybe one or two like instances or examples uh, where uh, things were a bit tricky and how you dealt with that? The important thing is that it's one team, not one person. So, you know, that's not to say that if you have a one team philosophy, you don't have a philosophy where everybody gets whatever they want and can do whatever they like. That's not what we say. That is not the one team philosophy. It is all about uh, creating an environment that is best for everybody. And that translates into what's best for the client. We're a people business. And so all of our challenges are people and people that it, everything else is a very distant second in respect of kind of managing the business. And these are, we've been through difficult times and employee kind of expe expectations have changed or have evolved in the last three or four years. And it is, it is progressively more difficult to run a business, to have a connected and motivated team when there is, there are some that love to be in an office and because they enjoy the social mm. part of it, others that enjoy the hybrid kind of half and half or, or whatever it, it needs to be. 
And there are some that absolutely never want to leave the house again. That doesn't mean that they're not fit to do their job. It's just simply that that's what it has, that's what the COVID era has created in enabling or an expectation, creating an expectation that, that those three options should be available. And as a people business, we, we try our best to maintain that or to support that, but without losing our one team mentality philosophy. And so we, we start with our philosophy and then we break that down into kind of our core values, which are respect, adapt and deliver. And we break that down even further into our mission, which is to in, 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 uh, inspire and develop one remarkable team that delivers the extraordinary. What we want is people to come to work for the DPO center and be part of that team and go home at the end of the day, feeling as though you've been remarkable and extraordinary. And if we can create an environment that enables that, then we have absolutely achieved our one on our one team philosophy. And it's our mission and vision and everything else is not related to market share and profitability and you know, all those kind of things that so many organizations, the, the external factors that so many organizations mm-hmm. present as their core objectives and things like that. Yeah, of course, we're a, we're a commercial business. We have to make a profit, but we make a profit by having an inspired, motivated, organized team of people who are all pushing together in the same direction. And so if we can achieve an environment where genuinely someone goes home and says, I've actually done something quite remarkable today. I've been part of Mm. something. Then we've achieved what we want to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think you, just to follow up on the same thing, right? Around uh, a team versus an individual. We live in a very individualistic society. And as you said, post-COVID, like it, it's become more of I want, like my expectation and what I care about personally. So when you say adapt and when you say focus on the team, does that lead to individuals or does that lead to like you as a CEO asking individuals or expecting individuals to f- defocus or to deprioritize their own personal wants and needs in the interest of the team? And how does that pan out? What challenges does it present? And how do you deal with that? The challenges are many and varied. And we are a group of individuals that work as one team. And we are a disparate and diverse geographically spread team because we're, we're internationally based. We have no end of cultures. I think we just, uh, there's 20 different cultures that we represent across the team. And so we have a lot of many and varied cultural requirements, expectations, religious beliefs, philosophies, ways of life, all those kind of things. And we all need to work together as one team to deliver a profitable product service. And there is never any shortage of challenges, but that is what the one team philosophy is all about. It's about recognizing that if we are going to exceed, to succeed, we are going to need to work together and we need to work together as a, in a common way, even though we are an extremely varied and diverse group of people. It, it's incredible. We have our kind of all hands events every three months where we get everybody together internationally and in, in one room. And, and it's just fantastic to see such a, a, a group of so diverse, such diversity, but all getting along like we're all old mates and, and everybody who joins the team always comments on how receptive we are as a, a, to involve new people and to include new people into the group and how such a warm welcome people get and how comfortable they feel so quickly to be part of a group of people that are all pushing in the same direction. And I can imagine as a CEO, you must have tremendous amount of gratitude or satisfaction 
for having a company which can live by this uh, philosophy and by this, these values. It is, but it's obviously I'm pushing from the top, but it, it is the team that create the team. You can't force people to adopt a culture. Um, you can nurture it and you can provide mm -hmm. an environment that, that kind of develops and inspires it, but it is the people. It's, it's, the, you're, it's a river that you're creating and it, and it moves faster and faster. And you can stand on the side of the river and you can watch it flowing by and not realize what's going on. But as soon as you jump in, you become part of it and you get swept along by everything within it. And, and that's what the team enables us to create is that everybody welcomes all newcomers into the one team philosophy. And it's a culture. It's, it's no, if when you visit a foreign country and on holiday and you enjoy the culture of that country, which you would never recognize or be part of outside of that country. But as soon as you go there, all of a sudden it feels perfectly natural to, to go along with the culture of that, that country. And, and it's the same thing you, you, when a new individual joins uh, our team, uh, they very quickly become yeah. you know, part of that culture and then start flying the flag of that culture. And therefore it just becomes progressive. And, and it's so of course I'm pushing it and, and reinforcing it and, and everything all day, mm. every day, but it is the team that, that carries it forward, not myself individually. Yeah. And you still have to push it, as you said, you have to steer it in a common direction. And especially as you grow beyond a particular number, right? Let's say if you go into hundreds, what are your own like, biggest challenges as the CEO that you have to face or you think that you might face in the future? I'll come back to I, I will always come back to it. We're a people business. So it's always people. It's scaling a business, mm. uh, a knowledge business um, is uh, always a challenge. If, if you're a SaaS business and it's predominantly a platform, you can just plug a few more servers in and all of a sudden you've scaled your business. It doesn't work like that in the people business or a knowledge business. We have to invest huge amounts of time, money, and resource into finding the very best people that we can. And that is the only way that we can, we, we are ruthless. It, you know, it's, it sounds a bit mercenary. The only way to build a business like ours is to have the best people within it because the people are the product and the service. And if you don't uh, have people that are signed, fully paid up members of the team and understand what our drivers are and, and what enables us to make a profit as a commercial organization. And therefore they have to be, everybody has to have an element of an entrepreneurialism within their personality mm -hmm. to be able to recognize that and, and to be part of the team that's all pushing in the same direction. And as we've continued to grow, we have a very robust recruitment process that is looking at all aspects of an individual's qualities to make sure that they align with ours. And we turn down some of the most intelligent, highly qualified people, but they don't necessarily, because they're not going to be that team fit. There's nothing qualification, about everything else, perfectly great people, and they will be fantastic in many organizations, but we have a very specific uh, expectation in terms of how people fit within our team and how everybody's going to work uh, alongside each other and, and to be beneficial members of that team. And, and unfortunately, even with that robust recruitment process, not everybody makes it. Um, you can't escape it. Yeah. Uh, we, we have very strict probation periods. We have onboarding process. We have a mentorship program. We do everything we possibly can to uh -huh. get someone to pass their probationary period. But not everybody does. And it's for reasons you can't interview for. Yeah. You just, you have to try it. 
you have to give someone the benefit of the doubt, provide them everything they need in order to, all the support mechanisms and tools and resources they need in order to succeed. And then it essentially comes down to them do that for themselves. Yeah. And that's how we continue to build the team by having that model uh, that we are just unwaveringly, we stick to it uh, as we go. Yeah. So what's the big dream or what's the big vision that you see for yourself and for your organization in the next few years? We're in a very fortunate position. We have a very strong business model. It is all contract driven and therefore it's very high percentage of recurring revenue, which means that we can invest very robustly in developing our future because we essentially know what our revenue is going to be. I've run project businesses in my past. It's extremely difficult because you just don't know what your revenue is going to be in three months time. It could be three times what it is today. It could be one tenth of what it is today. And it's very difficult to plan and build a business based on a business model that has that kind of uncertainty associated with it. DPO Center is very different. We essentially have 12 month auto renewing contracts and therefore we are you know, a cash positive business and a profitable business. And so that means that we have options available to us that not all businesses have. And we are also in a, an environment around privacy and data protection, uh, which of course uh, is seeing a lot of development, a lot of growth, a lot of legislative requirement around the world. So we started in the UK under the GDPR. So we were formed in 2017, just prior to the introduction of the GDPR in 2018. So we rode the wave into GDPR when it first was brought in. And we built our business on the back of the mandatory requirement to appoint a data protection officer that for certain organizations has been in since that date. And the opportunity in Europe has been there since 2018, but the opportunity globally is growing. More and more jurisdictions around the world are introducing strict uh, data protection requirements. Mm -hmm. Some of them are, have a requirement to appoint a data protection officer. And therefore, those are the markets that we are heading towards in terms of our global expansion plan. So we started off during Brexit, throughout the Brexit period, we opened up in Ireland in order to have maintain a foothold in English speaking Europe. But then we've since opened our Netherlands office for Europe in general. And literally, well, say last year now, we've just opened our office in Canada, which is our kind of first footprint mm. into North America. But we have an active project at the moment to identify the next 10 markets that we want to enter into. And West Coast US, Singapore, China, Australia, India are all on the list in terms of reflecting the development of data protection and privacy laws in those various jurisdictions mm. and the, the added requirement for, for technical expertise that, that that legislation brings with it develops our business and creates the market for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that you have a huge uh, ambition, like you are on a way which is already expanding. What does that mean for your role as a CEO? What do you see? Like, how do you see you can come in your own way? What are the pitfalls or the dangers that you see on the way for your, for your own groups? It's always people. It's the answer to everything and the, the problem for everything for us. So we have to understand these new markets and we have to put key people in place. Our first step is always to appoint a managing director or like a country manager, if you like, okay. in each country that we expand into. We build a sales resource around that person. We build, obviously, then privacy professionals as a team around that person. But we're in... We're in the situation where 2024 is going to be very interesting for us in that we're starting to form our kind of group structure, our global structure in terms of our management teams, and we're creating a global level. So we've always had kind of country level and heads of and, and line management and everything that goes below it, but we're now introducing that next step up. And it, 
again, it's all about finding the absolute right MD as the foothold in that new country in order to, to make it successful and then making sure that they understand our culture so that we start to translate that culture. So not, it's not necessarily identical because countries are different, but underlying it is the, those core values, respect, adapt and deliver uh. that is so important to instill and make sure that person, that, that anchor person is going to reflect those values onto the team that they're going to build yeah. around them. But we're also, we also have a quite a clear vision. It's again, it's not about profitability and all those kind of things. It's about the first line of it is to, is nurturing new talent. So we have a duty to bring new people into the privacy sector oh. that would perhaps not have otherwise have done so. Yeah. And part of that, we've just created our own DPO center academy and it launches this year. We're recruiting at the moment, relatively small cohort to begin with, but it's the first environment of its kind where we are able to provide both academic, because this is what the law says, you need to know the law, but also the practical of how to actually uh, implement that knowledge in a practical kind of mm -hmm. scenario, in a real life yeah. pragmatic scenario. And that's something that only an organization like the DPO Center is able to provide because we have a large enough team of DPOs that are working yeah. internationally that can give the exposure to these, to the students, yeah. to the learners that, that they need in order to be able to develop. Yeah. And coming to your own team, right? The managing directors, so the key people who are reporting to you. And since it's becoming more global, more multicultural, and it's all about people. Every culture has a different way of uh, talking, communicating, dealing with uh, emotions or even reacting to like uh, certain words or phrases which we have in our repertoire. How are you investing in your core team so that they can take care of these values and you don't have to go in into the depth and see what is happening? And they are also growing, yep. not just in their functional roles, but also as leaders, as also as human beings. A, a lot of it is about uh, empowering the MDs in the various jurisdictions mm -hmm. to run their businesses in the way that they think is appropriate for their team and the culture, the country culture that, that, that is appropriate. And it, it, I don't think it's possible for that to fall to an individual like myself to be able to traverse and, and, and interpret all of those requirements on a global scale. And, you know, it is something that is dealt with at local level. Um, and of course, based upon core values and our principles and all those kind of things as uh, non-negotiables, but the, the subtleties and the nuances of those, the, you know, the relationship and the culture that gets created is very much up to the individuals in those countries to be empowered to deliver it as required. It's a kind of a bit of a joke in a way. We describe it a bit like McDonald's. We're a McDonald's franchise at the end of the day. Mm. So every McDonald's sells burgers. So see, we sell privacy services. But every single one of those burgers that sold, you, you can go walk into a McDonald's in anywhere in the world and you will get a very similar experience, but it's locally sourced ingredients, locally sourced differences, slightly different. You can get a beer in Paris. You can't do that in London, hmm. it, but, but the burger is essentially the same, but made with local ingredients. And, and that's really the, the kind of, it's not a franchise, but it's that, that's, it's that kind of model that we're, um, you know, trying to, to create so that there is consistency, uh, in the way that we always deliver things the DPO center way. Um, that's really important to us, but it will always have that local flavor. Um, and I don't think it's possible to do it any other way. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for sharing everything that you shared today. 
Uh, and before we wrap up, is there something uh, about you that most people uh, whom you work with are not aware of? Would you like to share that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I think we're a fairly open bunch. I think most people uh, know most about me. I have, I'm quite into my fitness and extreme sports. As a teenager, I was a trampoline instructor. How's that? There's, a, there's one for mm -hmm. you. So I've always enjoyed the, well, the ex exercise part and the extreme exercise part. I, I'm a, you know, I've done various kind of ultra marathons and Ironman events and mm. uh, those kind of things. That, that keeps me busy outside of work. But yeah, work is quite all encompassing, put it that yeah. way. So there, yeah, there, there isn't. Would, there isn't yeah, I would love to ask you something, right? What, how does that bleed into your leadership? So Ironman, I don't know how familiar you are with the Ironman concept. It's a, yes, uh, it takes a lot to do that. And I think there's a lot of similarities to leadership or entrepreneurship. Yeah. At an Ironman event, you'll find is the preserve of a middle-aged, uh, generally Western male who's quite normally a senior executive in an organization because we are generally wired up in the same way. Ironman's slogan is anything is possible. And I think most people that do that kind of extreme event believe that anything is possible. And, and it's certainly true for myself. I, I, I try not to set limits. It's only impossible until it's done. And, and that's the expectation that I present to the organization in that anything really is possible. And if we work together, especially we can solve pretty much any problem that gets presented to us. And my career as a or what a better phrase, athlete is very reflective of the way that I'd try to conduct myself from a mm. work perspective and take a similar kind of values and expectations. Now, I don't expect everybody to be a, to, to go and do an Ironman event. That's, that's not the case, but it's understanding that that's what we're aspiring to on a daily basis. And that's the level that we, we are looking to attain on a daily basis. And if we can achieve that, we will absolutely achieve on our mission of being extraordinary in kind of what we achieve. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for adding that last bit. I think that gives uh, a much better understanding of who you are as a human being. So thank you for adding that. Yeah. So, okay. so for anybody who might be listening, what is the best way for them to reach out to you or find out more about you? LinkedIn's probably the easiest. By all means, send me a LinkedIn request. More than happy to, to share my experiences. And if I can help in any way, then I, and then I certainly can, certainly will. Perfect. Thank you, Rob, for everything that you shared. And I think everything that it takes behind the scenes to be able to do that. I absolutely love this conversation. And uh, as we end, I would like to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. My pleasure. And to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of, to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews 
go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team if you want to know more go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on linkedin i want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and i want to thank you for listening always remember that you are enough you are loved and you matter this is sumit until next time keep choosing leadership